Get the scoop on Tigers today. Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Welcome to Tigers SRD on the Tigers Minor League Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Roger Stilongsami. is Chris Brown. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitchler, and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at the Tigers MLB Report and a new Facebook page, Tigers Minor League Report. So tonight is a special occasion. Usually we record on Thursdays and we put it out on Friday, but with the winter meeting starting on today, which is the day of the recording, and the potential Hall of Fame vote coming out with Lou Whitaker being rightfully so in the Hall of Fame, we decided Mark Gurush, who joins us in studio. We're actually in studio. We're at Cave Studios. I'm looking at Roger right now. Yeah, I'm looking at Chris right now. very unusual. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, this beautiful bald man over to my right (laughs) over here, Mark and uh, so we decided to do our second annual roundtable. We had a couple guests. We have one guest coming on, but the other guest, Brandon Day, could not be with us today. But uh, Brandon's going to be with us in spirit, of course. And we have Evan Woodbury from MLive who will be joining us in a few minutes out in San Diego as things are kicking off for the Tigers. The Tigers have had a, a good history in the last 10, 15 years of winter meetings. Not so much the case the last few years, but... Uh, Anything is possible, as LeBron James once said, but we'll see what happens here. But, yeah, Chris, this is a winter meetings for a lot of other people, a lot of other teams, big stakes here, the Angels, Yankees, all in the Garrett, Garrett Cole sweepstakes, which would set up the market after that. Then the Tigers hit the, you know, the Tigers make some moves. They signed Jorge Bonifacio, who was a minor leaguer with the Royals, with a non-roster invite to Spring training, and he'll try to take over the corner outfield. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Last year, they were actually somewhat active uh, in in a very boring winter meetings in general. This this offseason has already been more exciting than last offseason has, and it would be very exciting if, if you mentioned Garrett Cole, if that sets the market. We had to wait forever last year for the big deals to happen for the most part. Although uh, Corbin went off the market really early, but that's true. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to, to, to see that, but. I, I think it's going to be extremely um, uneventful for the Tigers, other than having the first pick in the Rule 5. We might see them sign one person. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't sign anybody, though, because I feel like last year they got a little bit burned by jumping quickly at... Uh, who did they sign immediately? Was it was it they immediately signed... Was uh, it Matt Moore? Matt Moore or Tyson Ross, I think? I think it was Tyson Ross. I think it was... Yeah, Tyson Ross was first. And then Mercer, too, I believe. And then Harrison came much later. Yeah, he but came in February, I believe it was. I, like I feel like they're going to probably... Target at least one player over the weekend. I, I think catcher probably, uh, and then any other position that they wanted to get. They, they've talked about wanting to get a, a power bat either at first base, outfield, something like that. They might wait for somebody to fall into their lap later. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But I, I'm not expecting a whole lot of movement. Yeah, and last year at the same time, I remember wanting Josh Harrison. So first and foremost, I think, I think Anthony was. Yeah, may, may may have been advocating for him uh, when we talked to him. I don't know. That's right. And uh, unfortunately, he barely lasted. He was injured, and then he was released, and didn't have much of a season with the Tigers. But, Mark, this is usually your favorite time of the year. You're usually in rare form. But in this case, I don't know. You seem, <laughs> the last couple conversations we've had about the winter meetings, you just seem like you're just, eh, about it. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, to be perfectly honest, it's, 
I I think that I'm just depressed over the entire state of our baseball team and their efforts to get better. They put forth no effort. So it's like, you know, somebody gave Chris Illich and Al Avila to Klonopin. It's, it's, they're totally sedated. Yeah, I mean, the Braves have not been sedated so far. They've been very active in restoring the bullpen, getting a... They, have not, they haven't slept around a little bit, and the course of Brewers and Padres had that trade recently, too, that that I thought was a brilliant trade for the Brewers. And then the Tigers, all you hear is rumors with a domestic assault person in Addison Russell that are not true. And the slugger, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, is it? Yoshitugo? Yoshitugi, whatever. Yoshitimo. Yoshitimo. Where is it? Tusugo. Yoshitomo Tsutsugo. Okay, I was close. Yoshi. There you go. Yeah, Yoshi. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mario. Um, but uh, no, it's. Uh, and then the Tigers' interest in uh, Josh Limbaum. Of course, they also signed the AAA manager, uh, Tom Prince, who was under David Littlefield's staff as a rookie manager. So, kind of the familiarity. The familiarity. Yes, 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 thank you. The, the Littlefield tree. Yeah. My, my personal favorite tree. Stands one inch high and has very thin branches. Go ahead. <laughs> and join us all the way in what w- we thought was going to be warm San Diego, but uh, he's reporting otherwise. Evan Woodbury from M Live, and you can of course follow him on Twitter at all one word Evan Woodbury. Evan, how's it going? And uh, we have a for all our first time guests. Chris has started this tradition back in his old podcast and. I think it's a really cool question, and, and we, we tend to get some really interesting results out of it. So, Chris, take it away. Oh, yeah, hey, Evan. Uh, just kind of curious about your earliest baseball memory and, and what you can tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm, it, because I'm in a rival uh, town, I'm kind of discreet about my uh, fan background, but I grew up in the Cleveland, Ohio area, huge Indians fan as a kid, and uh, I, was, I was fortunate that, you know, in the days of the old stadium, uh, it was really easy and accessible to go and really cheap just to buy a general admission seat and, and sit out in the, the right field. Uh, and so I was fortunate to go to dozens and dozens of games. And so many of those late 80s games kind of run together. But I would say the one that stands out to me, because I know it was in the late 80s, or maybe it was in the early 90s, but it was in that era, uh, Dave Steve's no-hitter for the Toronto Blue Jays, just because for the longest time that was the only no-hitter I'd seen in person. And even though it was the opponent that was when the Blue Jays were really good, and every time there was a game in Cleveland, and probably Detroit, too, there were so many Blue Jays fans, yeah. and so they kind of turned it into a, a home uh, atmosphere. And even though the Indians obviously lost that day, it, was, it stuck with me because it was, uh, it was so cool to see a no-hitter and because the Jays fans were so obnoxious in that game. That, that's a, a memory that sticks with me. But I, I think a lot of my, my memories are probably a lot of very similar to some Tigers fans that grew up in the area in that same era, uh, because, you know, obviously Tiger Stadium probably had a little bit more charm than Cleveland Stadium. There was the same idea where, you know, you could just go to a ball game and, and walk up the same day and buy a cheap ticket and, and sit out in the stands. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of folks in Detroit probably have similar similar memories to what I did in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. That that so that reminds me of that like the Brooke Jacoby Corey Schneider days of the, that, the, but, the I Indians. think Bud Black was yeah, Bud Black was still in or it was in Cleveland then. Bud uh, Black. Yeah, he was on that team, by the way. That, that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Evan. 
Julio Franco? No, Dave Clark, uh, who was a young player on some of those Indians teams. When when I first started on the beat, we had a thing where we would, I would try to name as many obscure late '80s uh, Cleveland Indians as I possibly could, and it, you know he would always have a memory for each of them because he was on a couple of those clubs. But not, it's, you could uh, there was actually some some pretty decent players, although they never never really put it together uh, in in that era. But it was uh, those were some fun teams. Yeah, you know, was also, you know, was also on that team too. Late, early, or late eighties, nineties. I think that ninety team had Tommy Brookins on it. He really? was, the, yeah, he was, oh. he was, in, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was on that team. I think it was eighty nine, nine. The no hitter, yeah, the no hitter was uh, nineteen ninety. So, by the way, so I remember Steve nineteen ninety. Okay, yeah. I remember Steve having like four near no hitters. Yeah, like he was always close, and then like broke it up in the ninth. Yeah, there was one no hitter that I remember. I think it was he was playing for the Yankees. Like, yeah, I think it was Roberto Kelly because Roberto Kelly played. It seemed like he played for a lot of teams, but he broke up a no hitter. It was some game that was randomly on. That nine, that nineties Indies team was fascinating. About that was the fact that they had the you know Carlos Barrio starting off there, but Keith Hernandez was on that team too. Really? Yeah. No, you and, Keith Hernandez. Yeah, and you know what my favorite uh, obscure Indian is by the way, Evan is uh, Candy uh, Maldonado. Candy, Mal- Candy yeah. Maldonado. Yeah. Just because Candy Maldonado. Yeah. Yeah. Was- and he actually had at least one really good season. I, I maybe they mean like ninety two ish, but he he had one really great season, and I think that was about it. But yeah, he, he's he's a good obscure Indian. He's. I just remember too the Indians had all these relievers too. Like they were just like they they came up other places too. We talked about that too, like Tom Ken, Tom uh, Kenat, Kediati, yeah, Kenyatta. That that he, was he a reliever? Mm-hmm. I thought he was a well, he was a reliever later on, oh, though. Yeah. I, but I know he was a starter at first, but then yeah, there's 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 a bunch of guys. Greg Swindell comes to mind too. Swindell, there you go. Um, Is one, he from Texas? I, I'm not sure, but um, I used yeah. you know, I, know, I used to hate on those Indian teams all the time well, when they, they were, started becoming they good were in, the in the Were they in the West? No, they're in the East. Were they in the East? Yeah, yeah they were in the East. Yeah, it was uh, New York, Toronto, mm-hmm. Detroit, Cleveland, Milwaukee. Baltimore, Boston, and Boston. Yeah, yeah. that was the old AL East. Huh. So there you go. Damn. But uh, speaking of the uh, so speaking of the AL East a little bit before we get to the Tigers, there the, the market's going to be set really when Garrett Cole signs and the Yankees are pursuing very hard. There's that offer that's been thrown out there, and the Angels right in his backyard, which he's familiar with. But in terms of just I know you just kind of got there, but is there a, a sense that something big is going to happen or is just really too quiet? Or is just, if you've done these enough to where you go, it's just too hard to say at this point. Well, I, you know, I think if the Garrett Cole reports are legit, I mean, it, it, we could see something happen there sooner than later because that, it seems like there's, they're already, uh, you know, they don't have to wait for the market to, uh, to overheat. It's, it's already pretty act. It's bubbling pretty uh, actively there, but I would say in general, Obviously, the last two years have been incredibly cold winters. The the early indications are that this this might be a much better year for the players because we've seen some signings already, not just on the the upper end, but even some players that I would think more are mid tier players uh, are exceeding are meeting or exceeding expectations. And then you know the obvious ones, guys that had to settle for one year deals, the last couple of years are now getting really nice multi year deals. Um, I think of like a mid-tierish starter like Kyle Gibson, who I think got three years and thirty million from the Rangers, or in that neighborhood. Uh, that was more than I expected. I mean, I think there's some encouraging signs from the players' perspectives, and you know, maybe this won't be. And there have already been more signings, more action than there was at this point last year, and you know, maybe it, it, it for some of that 
uh, momentum even on the lower end and, and uh, will continue the high end. If if the reports on coal are uh, accurate, his already very high expectations are going to get exceeded in the, in the uh, free agent marketplace. So uh, this may be a different kind of winner than the last couple that we've experienced. Yeah, so with that, we were discussing that a little bit because it felt like last year the Tigers were one of the few teams who were active in the, in the, <laughs> at the winter meetings. And then they kind of sat and watched as other players uh, who may have been better than the players they signed uh, remained unsigned until like February, ended up signing for, for better deals. So I, now I feel like the Tigers are going to wait a little bit longer, but it might be funny if the, uh, the, the market turns and then they get waited out this year. But I'm just kind of curious what you think they might go after here in this first uh, couple days. Well, it, the, to me, the big question is, is catcher, you know, do they feel a sense of urgency to, to sign someone right now because it's it is basically the only position they've identified where they actually have to do something and obviously it doesn't have to be free agent market it could be a, a trade too uh, but you know, the other point the other question is then at a certain point as some of the better catchers come off the board does it just does it no longer make sense to to throw around money to try to get the the less the next best one available is it make more sense just to wait and see who's willing to come on a minor league deal closer to spring training you know, if you're if you're down at the very bottom of the of the barrel, um, you know maybe where well, there's not a lot of differentiation between the catchers that it remain, maybe it makes more sense to wait. I don't I don't know. I, I think you know I was banging the Alex Avila drum. Obviously, I thought he made a lot of sense, but from his perspective, he got a good deal with the Twins. He's going to a winning team at this point in his career. I'm sure that's what he wants, and uh, you know he's going to you know make more than four million dollars a year, which is a, a good deal for his. At his point in his career, but at the same time, from the Tigers' perspective, you'd have to assume they would have had to offer one year, five million plus, to get him, and that doesn't make sense for where they are right now for for a 33-year-old catcher like like Alex Avila. So, you know, I'll, I'll be curious. There, there's there's uh, you know, on the other on the other fronts of, of just finding a hitter, they've got some flexibility about what position, but with a the catcher, there's no flexibility. The candidates are coming off the board, and, and they'll have to decide what they're going to do. I, I, I thought there was very little chance that Avila would come back to sign here. I mean, it, at this point in time, you'd like to play for something and come into a team that won 47 baseball games. I did not think the chances of him wanting to come back here. Plus, you know, there's just a lot of other baggage issues that go along with coming back to a team that's this bad and he was going to have multiple offers at least in you know one year offers to go places that were reasonably competitive i'm sure the angels put in a bid for him also and uh so i'm not shocked in any way shape or form that he did not come back here and as far as you know look i i think we'd all love jason castro to come here but i would i'll be shocked if he doesn't get a three-year deal for, you know, between sixteen and twenty million dollars, and I, you know, I, I, there'll be other choices besides the Detroit Tigers, you know, willing to spend those dollars. Like I said, I think the Angels need to catch her really badly. You can only go so long wasting prime years of Mike Trout, and I would assume with Joe Madden there, they're going to actually get players that are going to start improving their chances of competing. Yeah, I wonder if, if the uh, the Angels might be a trade partner for the Cubs for Wilson Contreras. That might make some sense. Yeah. yeah. But. Well, I mean, in, and Evan, you pointed this out, too, on Twitter, that 
the Twins might perceive the perceived Castro is too expensive. So would that be the case then, as you said, the Tigers might consider that the same way? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, we'll, we'll see how it comes down. I, I, I think obviously uh, if he got three years, 16 to $20 million, I mean, I, I think he would be thrilled with that. And um, obviously the tie, if that were the case, the Tigers wouldn't even be in the conversation. They wouldn't even be a footnote because they're not, they're not going to be in that uh, realm for this, this winter anyway. But, uh, but no, I mean, I, I think that the other thing that we don't know much about, it's obvious who the free agent catches are, is, is the, the trade market. And I think there could be some interesting, you know, what Jason, uh, Jason Beck tweeted or wrote this today, which I hadn't really put a lot of thought in, but it makes some sense, is that, you know, although on the major league roster, there aren't a lot of obvious trade candidates that make sense for the Tigers right now. They just have a glut of minor league arms. So if they were looking for kind of a, you know, a deal where maybe there's a catcher in another organization that's a triple A, but it's blocked internally and, and, you know, is looking for the team is looking for a training strength for strength. The Tigers have some excess arms um, that maybe not even all of them are going to fit in the rotation in Toledo at, at various points this year. Maybe you trade an excess arm or two for an area of need. I don't know. I, I think there's, there's probably a lot more creativity in the trade market that, we haven't thought a lot about because I've been fixated in the, the free agent market, but you know, there are other ways to address the need. And if it gets to the point where there's not anyone really alluring that's in the Tigers price range uh, in the free agent market, you know, maybe the, the trade market might make some sense as well. And speaking of trades, I, you know, we've talked mostly about free agents so far been uh, rather than trading like prospect depth. I, I'm curious if you think the Tigers might, now in the winter meetings, look to trade any of their actually established players like Matthew Boyd. You know, it was is a big talk around the trade deadline, and then kind of kick the can down the road. I'm curious if they might uh, be entertaining offers for him. In your mind, you know, I, I think the only pr- way I could see that happening is if if another team said, "Okay, this is a chance to to get someone." you know, to buy low, uh, his, his value was at a high ebb in, in late June when the Tigers were shopping him and then he had a, a rough couple months. So maybe his values come down again. And so maybe that encourages other teams to, to come see if the, the Tigers are willing to talk. Uh, you know, I, I'm skeptical just because, you know, like I said, they had a chance to deal him at, at a high point. It doesn't make much sense to, to deal him at a low point a couple months later, especially when they're hopeful at least that he can, they could restart the negotiations again in, in July and, and try to shop them at a higher value in July. But you never know. I mean, it's, it's unpredictable. Sometimes, uh, you know, the, the market can, can uh, be stronger in the off season. than in July, I think recently, it seems like, you know, you, you can find examples both ways, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm like, I have said this before, but I was, I was a hundred percent wrong about, I was very much in the don't trade Fulmer camp. And obviously I, I, I take a, a loss on that one because, uh, you know, injuries are unforeseen, but, but obviously, uh, I, I think for the same reason, you can find the same reasons, the same debates with Boyd as you could with former, the same reasons to trade him and the same reasons not to trade him. Um, for me, he's still relatively affordable. He's top of the rotation guy for the Tigers who could be a, a two or three uh, starter for another team potentially. And, you know, I don't overlook the fact that he's, that he's a good person. I mean, I think if you're looking to break a tie, uh, you know, there, there's, there's 
no reason not to say, hey, this is a good guy. He's a good teammate. He's great in the clubhouse. He's great in the community. Every time we ask him to, to do to go visit a hospital, he's he's there to do it. Uh, on a on a time when the the team's at a really low ebb and there's not a lot to to say to sell to base the team around to to sell tickets, you know, you've got a, a good guy in the community. I think you I don't I don't think it's wrong going to the trade talk saying you need to you need to really knock our socks off here. You really need to blow us away with an offer. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And so I don't have a problem if if the Tigers are more. Uh, more demanding, even if it's for somewhat sentimental reasons, like I just listed. What about anybody else, like you know, Buck Farmer or Joe Jimenez, somebody like that? Do you think that they think the Tigers are going to be interested in in pursuing trades of their current players at all, or do you think they're just kind of stamp yeah. that there? I, I just I, I think you know, if I were on another team, I would actually the guys I'd be asking about would be Buck Farmer, would be Joe Jimenez. I might even ask about Nico Guterum. I might ask about Jamer Candelario to see if the Tigers have soured on him. Um, I, I can make good cases from another team's perspective. It, it just becomes harder to make a case from the Tigers' perspective because I don't know if the return you're going to get for any of those guys is really going to move the needle other than a, you know, a very borderline prospect at best. And then the question is, you know, for what, for very little, if any, salary relief, because every one of those guys, I think, except uh, Buck Farmer is a minimum salary guy, and Buck's not going to make very much either. Uh, you know, you have to ask, okay, what, what, uh, how much of a prospect is going to move the needle? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's Maybe there will be some surprises. I, I like Buck Farmer. I think he had a phenomenal year very quietly last year. Uh, maybe this is the time to, to trade him. Maybe his value is never going to be higher, but again, the question is, what are you going to get in return, and is it going to move the needle enough to make a difference? You know, you bring up an interesting question about, or interesting point about potentially trading for a catcher in another system. And you look at last year, Jake Rogers' struggles last year coming up, getting used to Major League Baseball. The question becomes then, if you're going to trade somebody like in a hypothetical situation, let's say you trade somebody like Boyd for a high-caliber prospect catcher like, I don't know, like Tyler Stevenson in Cincinnati, because Cincinnati is looking for pitching. Do you trade just to get a backup, or do you trade for someone that can complement Jake Rogers and kind of give him a competitive level? Because the Tigers have a lot, you know, the Tigers do have a lot of faith in Jake Rogers, but do you go and try to get somebody else that could potentially provide a little bit of an offensive pop? That's a, I don't, to me, I think that would be, if there's a can't miss catcher prospect out there that can complement Rogers, why not go for it? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if they, and I, to be fair, I haven't done a whole lot of research on this issue, but you know, I don't know if they'd go for anyone that, he, that would even necessarily block or, or compete with Rogers so much as when I, I'm thinking of, you know, your quintessential 26, 27 year old who's hit well in AAA and his time is kind of running out, but organizationally uh, there's just not a, a good fit for him. And, you, you know, probably catcher maybe have been a bad example because you probably find a lot more corner outfielders and that fit that kind of mold than, than a, a position like catcher or, or shortstop or something like that. But you know, that's, that's what I'm thinking of as guys that are maybe a little bit off the radar uh, that where the Tigers can, can try to capture some value. Uh, if it comes down to signing, you know, a very nondescript 30 year old backup catcher, free agent, uh, you know, and the other options are, you know, looking creatively in other systems to see if there's some guys who are blocked who maybe can provide some value. And, you know, and they may very well be doing that, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that I wonder, you know, 
as as some of the more attractive free agent options come off the board, uh, are they are they thinking creatively like that and, and looking for other possibilities as well? Ev, let's let's hope so. And I think of all the <laughs> all the positions uh, in baseball that guys are blocked and blossom late in the minor leagues. Catcher's probably at the top of the list. I mean, Mitch Garver was in the twin system, literally doing nothing. You know, three years. That's ago. That's a phenomenal example. And yeah, you're right. You know, last year you could argue uh, top top three hitting catchers in in all of baseball. Decent framer. I mean, came out of nowhere. So, uh, you know, if you do your homework and you understand how to develop players, catchers develop very late. They frequently have power because of the nature of how they're built and. Hopefully they're doing some homework on that. I think two catcher, two teams I'll be watching that I think are not not in love with their catchers or they're just kind of going through prospect fatigue about them would be the Padres, as much as we love Hedges. Hedges is, is a unicorn defender, but hit 175 last year. Uh, Francisco Mejia, they can't figure out if he can catch or he can't catch. I'd be very interested in him anyway. Uh, I and I hear a few rumblings out of Cincinnati that they may be, uh, you know, souring a little bit on Tucker Barnhart, who's uh, you know gets gets on base, doesn't hit for a lot of power, not the greatest receiver, not the worst major league catcher in the world either. Um, so there, there's some players around in. You know, you have to do homework and propose deals. The, the, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, like I, I think Joe Jimenez is a, a prime trade piece to try to get some. I mean, I would, you know, San Diego does not need any more hard throwing relievers, which is too bad because I would have explored that. But you know, I think that Jimenez is a player that it probably generates a lot of interest in other teams. Um, when we see him every day the way that we do and get frustrated by misplaced high fastballs in a slider that is very inconsistent, other teams are going to think they can fix that. And if you fix it, you've got something pretty good. So, What other positions have pretty clear there's a glut of available player at the fringe, you know, interesting maybe inexpensive candidates at both first and second base, which are absolute deserts for the Detroit Tigers. And you got any thoughts on things they may look at or, you know, that seems like a place that they can improve themselves inexpensively. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the catching spot has moved so fast. The other spots have not moved quickly at all. And, uh, you know, really at, you know, first base, that could be a, a position where they they still have a, a pretty good pick of options or that they could wait closer to spring training and see who starts getting desperate and, and looking for a deal. Um, I mean, I've liked Smoke from the beginning uh, and originally thought he would be priced out of the Tigers' range, uh, but because nothing has really happened on the first baseman front, it's, it's kind of hard to, to see whether expectations are going to be higher or lower for him uh, this winter. But he's a guy that I, I like just the fact that he can draw walks that's something desperately needed in the lineup, and uh, you know maybe not provide the the huge power bat that that uh, fans would like, but I think he'd still probably be the 
the leading home run getter on last year's uh, team and, and, you know, can get on base, plays adequate defense, I think, possibly slightly better than average. So uh, I, I'd like someone like him. Um, you know, second base, there are a ton of options from you know, a, a Wilmer Flores type who can hit and can't field to uh, Yomer San- Sanchez who can field and can't hit. Uh, no, another another position where there are plenty of guys still out there. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think at a certain point we talked about earlier, you're looking for guys that you can uh, get contribution from and then potentially flip as well. You look at Leonis Martins a couple of years ago, he would kind of be the, the, the ideal and that he provided great production for three or four months. And then, uh, you know, they flipped him. For, who knows how Willie Castro will turn out. But at the end of the day, he's a guy the Tigers are at least considering as a potential everyday shortstop. So to get that in a trade is not a, a terrible, terrible return. So if you can get a guy like that for three or four million dollars a year, uh, that would be a victory. Those those are the guys I'm sure they'll be they'll be searching for. Yeah, you got Cesar Hernandez, you got Jason Kipnis, Jonathan Shoup. Uh, I like Corey Dickerson too. Corey Dickerson yeah, is outfield, an outfielder, yeah, all right. left-hand hitters, which yeah. is not a bad thing. Uh, you got Bird, you got Eric Timms, you got who are two of you know my favorites. And I think, yeah, I, yeah, and and the guy who I would have targeted and tried to make a deal with immediately, he, he was just abysmal last year, but really very, very good in uh, seventeen and eighteen. Is Travis Shaw, and I'm sure there's a pretty long line to sign him right now. So, you know, that's a huge walk rate. Guy hit thirty homers two straight years, and what a mess he was last year. But you know, if you're trying to to you know the way you play baseball in 2020 on the offensive side of things is you got to walk you got to hit the ball out of the park and you know Travis Shaw does both those things I would and he's not old that that's that's a player I would be willing to pay if you're willing to pay 5.25 million dollars to Jordy Mercer and six million dollars to Tyson Ross you know, it's not like they don't have money. They got a seventy. I think the payroll is seventy-five million dollars this year. I checked on Spot Spot Track. Uh, Ab, you know, that's seventy-five million dollars, and you got fifty-five million dollars tied up in two guys. It's not like they don't have a little payroll room there, right? Yeah, I mean, they've got money to spend. There, there's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, after, like you said, after Cabrera and Zimmerman, they, they've got tons of money to spend. So, you know, I, I think we don't know, we're not privy to the conversations internally about what the actual payroll is or what their plans are. Um, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. There, there's no, to even be among the, they could spend $20 million this winter and they'd still be in among the bottom 10 teams or so bottom 10 or 12 teams in payroll. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, in, unless there's a you know, specific, uh, you know, cost cutting, uh, you know, order coming down, coming down the, uh, the way from ownership, you know, there's no reason they couldn't be active. We'll just see. We'll see if they are. We'll so, see if they are. So I'll ask you a question. Fenn always gets mad that I kind of get him in trouble when I ask him some of these questions. So I, I feel compelled to at least ask you. So you think do you think they'll spend twenty million dollars this winter or not? No, <laughs> and I, yeah, I just say that because they spent, they spent about, well, if you throw in Josh Harrison, let's say they spent about 17 last, last winter. And I don't, in, in 
getting zero production from it, I don't imagine there's the appetite to to repeat that. Well, you know, uh, I think they should be willing. No, I'm not. I, I think I'm not should, saying that's the right call. I'm just saying that's my that would be my prediction. I think they should be willing, based on the players, to spend. Look, if you had a if you had to give Travis Shaw three years, eighteen million dollars to get him, that's probably not a terrible speculation using some of your money, right? Or if you get if you want to address your first base situation coming off thumb surgery, CJ Crone, who if he comes back, let's say this way, you give him a year at four and a half, or I'll give him five million, one year five million. His thumb is at full strength. Trade him, you flip him at the deadline because he was doing really well before his thumb, and after that, he was struggling a little bit. Not bad of a not bad of a walk rate either, and he hits for power. That's something that he hit more home runs than I think two players. I think Goodrum or his power numbers were just as combined as two Tiger players at first base. That's a creative thought. Yeah, I mean, look, CJ Crone, he's been cut after hitting. 50-plus home runs the last two years. I, I am sure that a team like the Tigers are probably in the mix to discuss him. I don't, you know, he's not going to sign for more than $5 million. I, you know, Ev, I got a, a little different question that has to do with thinking more than just what the Band-Aid will be for this year's team, and I, I'll pose it this way. Uh... Of the, say, four or five pitchers that are going to be in Toledo this year, how many of them at some point in time in 2020 do you think you see? Because if you're going to start sprinkling in young pitching, it would make sense if you were going to make an investment to invest in a catcher that would help a lot in their development for 2021 when they're going to play likely a more prominent part. So, you know, I'm curious to what your thoughts on how many of these kids you're going to see, and that's kind of my angle of why I'd spend some money on a catcher. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's not, that makes sense. There, there's, that's um, a logical argument. I, I think you'll see quite a few of them. I, I think the there'll be the first wave of, of guys that have gotten the, a little bit of a taste of Toledo last year, and then you know the the next wave that'll maybe arrive starting late summer or maybe September first, which is their their typical way of, of doing things. Obviously, there's no need to rush, and then you, you have the innings limits, which will affect some of the top prospects as well. And you know it may not, depending on how the year goes, it may not make sense to have them come up and make an audition. But I mean, I think you'll see quite a bit of them. And, you know, on the major league level, some of the guys like Jordan Zerman, I, now that he's in the last year of his contract, if he has, uh, you know, if he goes through a stretch like he's had really the last three three or four summers, I mean, I could see the Tigers just wishing him well and, and uh, you know, turning it over to one of the, the younger arms that they want to see. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, I think we'll see quite a bit. And, you know, I guess that the as it relates to the catching situation that goes – to you know how you feel about Jake Rogers? Do you feel like he is a future, long-term, everyday catcher, or do you think you know he's because of his defense, he's an, a number two catcher? Uh, and but the hope for much more than that is is overly optimistic. I don't know. And it, internally, 
you know, what Avila said is that they're still, they haven't lost faith in him. They just want to see him get more seasoning in triple A Toledo. You know, he is 24 going on 25, I believe. So, you know, he is aging out of prospects territory. This is going to be a pretty big year for him uh, as far as, you know, knowing what, where he really fits in the future as a future everyday multi-year starter, or if he's just a, 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 you know, potential number two guy. And I, I got one more question for you, Evan, and, and this is kind of, sure. we, uh, regardless of what the Tigers do during the, the uh, winter meetings, we know that they're most, are most likely to make at least one move because they've got the first pick of the Rule 5 draft on Thursday. Uh, and that's typically, I think, when everybody's trying to get the hell out of uh, the winter meetings, um, wrapping everything <laughs> up. But I'm, I'm kind of curious if you have any thoughts uh, uh, or heard anything about where they might be leaning. You know, it's funny. The, the last two years, I think I did a Rule 5 preview where I had about 12 or 15 potential options. And both years, the Tigers drafted someone who was not on uh, on either of my lists. So I'm like 0 for 25 in, in uh, predicting Rule 5. The thing is, though, when I go back and look at those lists, none of the virtually, you know, none of those players became anyone of of significance. It's yeah. a, it's such a lottery ticket um, to get anyone of, of significance out of Rule Five, and even like Victor Reyes, who I like. I mean, you know, he they've invested two years of, in quite a bit of major league roster space on him, and I still think at the end of the day, he's probably you know a, a number four outfielder at at best. Um, and he and he counts as a Rule Five success. You know, Daniel Stumpf, who gave the Tigers two years as a slightly below average reliever. I mean, he counts as a Rule Five success. That's how low the bar is of of Rule Five. Uh, you know, of guys that actually stick with the club. So, with that in mind, I mean, they do have a little bit more flexibility with the 26th man to hide somebody on the roster. Um, you know, from my philosophy personally, I would I would go solely on the high upside much more so than worrying about a guy that could contribute this year. I wouldn't go crazy like the Blue Jays and draft a 17-year-old or something and, and try to hide him in the bullpen. Uh, but, you know, I, I would look for the high upside guys. And uh, I couldn't tell you who that's going to be this year. But um, but to me, I think for the Tigers situation, that would make more sense than trying to find, you know, someone that's going to be your utility infielder or something in 2020 because in the whole scheme of things, they've, you could find any guy off the street to do that. It's you're looking for guys that that you're you're looking to win that lottery ticket basically, and and to to win that you have to draft a guy that maybe is a little bit more raw, but but has a higher upside. It's it's a really good idea, and I'm 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 in the camp of in the 2000 2021 new CBA that the rule five draft is going to get abolished. There's just, it's, it's like going to an estate sale now. It's, it's really not what it was a while ago. And it's, it's almost a waste of time now. I mean, even, even then when I remember when they, the Tigers picked uh, Sean Runyon, hmm. that was 97. That was when I started really paying attention to things like that. And he was a plus war player. But the Tigers used him so much in that season. I think it was like 88 games. He was burned out by that. And then he was out of baseball within two years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just rare. a very obscure example. Yeah, like but. Joaquin Soria. Yeah. Odubel Herrera. There's not a whole lot of. The, the, some successes that I found were guys that were taken and then traded or yeah. 
or taken and then returned and then got success later. But yeah, it waste, just, it's like a waste of a lot of scouting resources now. Yeah. For and I, I would say ma- major league teams would love to see the rule five go away. It's it's, it's you use it's one of the older older rules in baseball. It's been around yeah, since like the early yeah. 1900s. Oh, Will Desma, technically. <laughs> I mean, I don't Evan. Would you put Will Desma as uh, as a uh, success story? Any <laughs> pitch of the majors? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? You know, five seasons the Tigers. I, I, Brad I, I, Keller has ended up being a yeah, really, really right. nice pick for the Royals. Right. But yeah, I mean, but there's you know usually there's one player yeah. over the course of three drafts who ends up being a contributing positive WAR baseball player. And yeah, it's just I mean, right now you know I think my feelings about Victor Reyes are pretty well known at this point. And you know, look, he, I think what was he like a 1.4 WAR player last yeah. year? Yeah. God, God bless Victor. Yeah. I mean, really, he had a, yeah. WRC plus two over 100, I believe. Yeah, yeah. 100 flat. Yeah, 100 flat. Yeah, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but then he's he's been working. He's been working his tail off, and he's been a good teammate too. So, and that as Evan said earlier, it does count for something. So, yeah. but. uh I mean, we'll let you enjoy. Hopefully, we'll be celebrating a Lou Whitaker Hall of Fame announcement at eight o'clock tonight. But uh, in Two terms hours, of sure. yeah, in, with in a couple hours. But if you had another, before I let you go, who would your other candidate be if you, uh, among this class outside of Lou Whitaker? Uh, well, you know, originally I said in my first story on it, Marvin Miller, but then I read some of the backstory about you know how he didn't want it after uh, you know if he, basically didn't want a posthumous honor. His family doesn't want a posthumous honor. And then it becomes the question, do you give an award to someone who publicly said they don't want it or his family doesn't want it? I don't know. I mean, there's some backstory there to Marvin Miller. Judging solely based on the merits, I would actually give it to Marvin Miller. I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be my choice if if there were one. Yeah, same here. He collectively changed the game. I mean, if all those players from, from, I mean, he talks about you talk about Kurt Flood being an impactful player to the free agency. The other person that comes to mind is definitely Marvin Miller. He set the way for Donald Fuhrer to be the the guy he was for the players in the late 80s and early 90s. So, Evan, hopefully it warms up over there. We appreciate your time. And, again, hopefully we'll be celebrating a Lou Whitaker Hall of Fame uh, victory this evening. Yeah, we'll know very soon. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, thanks for, for coming. Thanks, Good talking to you, bud. All right, so... That was Evan Woodbury from M Live. You can find him, of course, at Evan Woodbury on Twitter. So, great, great conversation. Got to talk a little bit about a little bit of Rule Five, a little bit of free agency. And I knew we threw some curveballs at him, but uh, I thought he handled it very well. So, but yeah, there's there's so many names out there, free agent wise, and I, I'm oh, I just I'm I'm hoping for some sort of creativity out of this. Out of San Diego. I mean, it, the Tigers have had a really good history in winter meetings. Like I said, we talked about this earlier, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but it's just it's the the, the, the challenge. El said himself it's going to be challenging. Well, I mean, we, we've try not to get too negative about the team, but we where have they been creative in the last several years? In what capacity? Like, I, I really haven't seen it in any way. And like, we've seen. You talk about it. The Padres made that trade with the Brewers. We've seen a bunch of interesting deals recently, prospect for prospect deals, stuff that the Tigers could be doing because they have some interesting arms, but they just they just seem inclined to throw away another year. And, and 
Like, that's their plan. They just want to get the Zimmerman contract off the books, and then they'll have a $40 million payroll or whatever, and then they'll be going going to town, going all in with some young prospects and maybe start making, uh, you know, signing guys to deals. But, yeah, it, and that might just be their plan. They haven't come out and said that exactly, but it sure seems like that, that you just kind of based on what they've done. So the two of you are, are great at these kind of things. So it's going to be, you know, the end of the fourth year, almost fifth year of the Avila era. What would you name the Avila era right now? Let's see. Learning on the job. I, I, I can't. I think Al Avila is trusting his his team, his David Littlefield, the ranks, what have you. And I think relying on his team a lot. A lot of it you can see it. The 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 going back and hiring old twin hires. Old Pittsburgh or old Pirates hires, so I think he's I think he's still looking for his own imprint. I I I don't know. Like it just to me, the more I think about it, the more I realize that it, it, is he handcuffed by payroll? Absolutely, of course he is. Has he tried to be creative? As Chris, as Chris just said, I don't think so. But I also think his team has a lot of like the little field imprint on it. A little bit of the David Chad indications there's not much to be said about what what is that what has he done that you can say okay that that might be a signature thing you look at some of the things he his his history as assistant general manager and he had his you could tell like he was he scouted Cabrera or excuse me he scouted he didn't know he scouted Levon Hernandez he got into that Latin market pretty quickly all those things beforehand now it's like you. I don't know. I, I feel like he, there's not his imprint is not shown because I think either he's too handcuffed or he's relying on his lieutenants too much. I it sort of feels like just a slow moving train crash to me. Like like no, nobody's going to get really hurt, but nothing is going properly. Nothing's going in the right direction. Like it just just even the the farm system is ostensibly getting better, but even looking at it. You know, I was looking at Jay Markle was having me take a look at his top 30 the other day, and it's still like outside of the top four or five guys. It's just like all these guys have serious, serious issues. And it's like it doesn't feel like a great farm system no matter what. And, and But, Chris, yeah. everybody's farm system after starting with Prospect 11. Yeah. So here's what I'd say. Most decent systems, player one through six in a good system, mm-hmm. very good, a lot of skills. Six through ten, pretty good. In a great system, one through ten, really yeah. good. Eleven through twenty, specific skills, some deficiencies. Maybe young with upside, just yeah. With some lotto ticket. Yeah. Twenty to thirty, coin flip. Thirty after thirty, lotto ticket. Prayer. Okay. <clears throat> so it's not that unusual. For a system to look like that, especially a system that refuses to promote players to the major leagues. Well, so that, if you're a hoarding them, of course your system's going to be good. Yeah, there there does seem to be a little bit of a hoarding aspect there. But I just was struck by looking at the you know when you're getting in the teens and stuff. There's a lot of the the recent college draftees that don't even have the high ceiling. Like I'd be fine if there was more guys like you know like a, a Denzel Reyes or a, a, just young guys with sky high ceiling, but probably never going to get there but it's a lot of guys with low ceilings that we we've always seen with the college heavy drafts from this, this so here, here's another aspect to it 
in the gold standard of player development, without doubt, Los Angeles Dodgers. Exactly. F- fair to say or not? Absolutely. Okay. Fair so, in you know, obviously, my my contribution as a as a podcaster at Tigers Minor League Report is about doing you know team building, and I talk a lot about process and profile. And to simplify that, it means you got to have an idea what kind of player you want. You got to go after them, and then you need to understand how to improve them and develop them. Okay, mm-hmm. and I, I think for from a hitting standpoint, you must be able to draw walks unless you are just a ridiculous power hitter. But you have to have a minimum threshold of walk rate. You mm-hmm. got to walk. Six percent of the time, at the very worst, at the very worst, you can't even consider players that don't have the capacity to draw a s- walks six percent of the time. And what the next worrisome aspect of that is is that you also have to be able to take all the data you generate from all this different technology. Now we don't need to s- specifically mm-hmm. identify the type of camera the type of bounce play. It's, it's not, people don't care about that. The bottom line is, is that it gives you data. You, you need to understand swing playing when you're talking about position players, as an example, and you need to understand what you have and how to improve them. Certain teams are very, very good at this. Other teams make a lot of promises, keep making the same mistakes. And the biggest frustration level that people have yet to really understand where they're getting conned by this particular front office is they're not making players better. They're not finding players that fit a profile and making them better beyond the draft or beyond when they're signing them internationally. And they're, they have lots of players that seem to fizzle out. And because, A, the competition gets better, but, B, because they're not improving them enough, okay? And that that's part of the frustration. So, you know, when I ask you guys what would you call the Avila era, and, you know, my answer would be where they're at now. Look, let's eliminate the very first offseason. So dazed and confused then? No. Well, yes, <laughs> maybe. Very much dazed and confused. But I would say... Really, the first offseason, Mike Illich was healthy enough and lucid enough and angry enough that he told them to go spend some money. And he did. And he spent money on Mike Pelfrey, and he spent money on Jordan Zimmerman. He spent money at the end on Justin Upton, who still, even to this day, is the greatest Al Avila move was Justin Upton opting out of his contract. That did by far the most productive move in the, in the Avila era. But after that offseason, what could you say about anything that these three guys have done? So basically what I'll tell you is I call it I'm afraid to make a mistake era. I, I don't want to do anything because if I make a mistake, I'm getting fired. All right? And so basically – by how it's behaved is the I, the answer was, look, not sure I'm keeping the team, so what we're going to do is we're going to tear this down to its basics, 
We're going to promise people we ha- are going to build up the minor league system, and whether they have or haven't, we'll find out here in the next 18 months. And at the same time, take on no payroll, because if I decide that I want to sell the team, which I personally think they do want to sell the team, then I don't have any payroll encumbrance on it. But that doesn't eliminate you if you are a shrewd modern-day general manager from operating at the fringes and making prospect-for-prospect trades, acquiring players that other organizations have let go, doing smaller trades at the fringes, which all really good teams have done and making your team a lot better. You can't just sell people that I'm going to draft one, two, or three, and that's all I'm doing for you and win 47 games. And to be honest with you, and I've talked to the two of you about this, the best year of the last three years to draft number one was last, last year, year when yeah, Adley Rutschman was the number one choice. Now we're going to find out if that's true or not. And they didn't even have the number one choice that year. So they're going to have the number one choice two out of the last three years. And the only year they didn't have it was the year to have it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, there, there is an element of, of it just feels like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And how, how much responsibility they bear, I, I can't really say, but. We talk about Jamer Candelario, Kristen Stewart, the kind of players we want, guys who walk and hit for power, and then they can't hit. They just didn't hit. Well, here, let's let's ask you this question. This is a very, very fair question. Heimer Candelario, no more options left, by yep. the way. Yeah. Switch hitter, walks, has power. Has struggled now for nine straight major league months. Mm-hmm. Okay. So since the All-Star break of 2018, the last nine months of Major League play, he's been very subpar. His fielding has improved. He still walks. Okay, If Detroit does not want to keep him, how long will the line be from other teams to acquire Heimer Condelaria? Yeah, I mean, I I would think that there would be other teams jumping at the chance. And I, I would also think that the Tigers would not. I think I, I have more faith in them to, to believe that they're going to want to keep them around and, and keep, you know, because they, I think they're also going to, they're going to find a way to get Dabo Lugo on the roster this year too. I think he's out of options too, or maybe not, but. Uh, I think he might have one. one, one I think they're going to. Dabo Lugo had a walk rate of 2.4%. Yeah. So, in, so uh, I, in, in, unless Will Smith is going to come down and touch him like a genie and turn him into something that he's not, I, I, I I just think that God they, bless Dawel Lugo, but he's not a player I'm building around. No, but I think that they want to exhaust all possible options with players that they acquired before anything like that. But and, and we've talked some of the we've talked before some of the stuff they've done we appreciate we like that they've they've clearly beefed up the analytics department the hires they made this offseason were nice, but it just and there's a a close parallel in recent Tigers history to what's going on right now, but the differences between the 2004 team after the 120 or 119 loss 2003 team, Dave Dombrowski went out, he traded for Carlos Guillen. Uh, they went and signed, they, what they said, Esteban Yan. They signed like four people, including Pudge. So you can make deals now, even though you're not Who's planning. Who's the second baseman they signed? They, uh, they ended up not playing. Vina? Yeah, Fernando, yeah. Fernando Vina. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had yeah. some shoulder issue, I believe so, it was. Dombrowski was trying to make the the next team better while also building for the future. You can't just you can't just sit here and wait for the team to bottom out and then hope that everybody arrives at the same time. If there's a free agent this year that 
can help in the future, they should look at it. But they're not. And so it's just really kicking the can down the road. Yeah, here's the thing, too. In terms of look at the uh, the personnel moves they hired. Among one of them was demoting David Owen down to – he was the player of the – Minor th- league field coordinator. Yeah, my, yeah minor field coordinator. And Which, then you bring by the in, way, he used to be the minor league field coordinator. Yeah, so and he, just, yeah. And it's, you know, it's so you still have that bit of the old a, old regime in there, but Kenny Graham will provide a breath of fresh air, which we'll not see for probably a couple of years to come. But after doing, I'm sorry, what are you going to say? Oh, I'm just saying, if he's legit, we might see some gains this year, just yeah. prospects starting to hit and stuff. But but yeah, you're probably right. Like they won't affect the Tigers for a couple of years. Yeah, but if, if the Tigers can among them, and then the minor leagues too, among hitting the departments, were one of the worst hitting teams, except for Erie. I mean. Lakeland struggled offensively this year. West Michigan was was terrible to watch. Connecticut, same thing. The thing that it, 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 the parallels between Al Avila and Randy Smith. Everybody talks about Randy Smith being the gen- worst general manager of all time. Randy Smith had a payroll that was much more restricted because he, he had to come. He had to come back from a payroll that was torn down. He couldn't spend any money at all. At least it was. He made trades. Were they great? No, but he at least was. Throwing like what they do when you check when the spaghetti's done, you tech, you throw it on the wall. And if it sticks, it's done. At least he was trying and and being at least putting himself out there to to see what he's going, what he can do. The one thing about Avila with these hires, with his, the staff hires, including that U the former USC uh, manager, the uh, Hubs, Dan Hubs, Hubs, director of player development and strategies, and then yeah. bringing in the first ever director of performance science in Georgia or Doctor Georgia. Gibbon? Gib- Giblin. Giblin. Giblin, thank yeah. you. Those are all great things. But, Raj, look, I'm really happy that they've done that stuff. Really, I am. But at the same time. Ten I, years behind. I, I feel like. <laughs> it does feel. Of, here's, here's what I want to bring out. Every single other major league organization has adopted all of those things. The Tigers were the 29th or 30th team to finally get on board with some things like this. The 29th or 30th. If I was the worst team in baseball, and they have been for three or four years, those are exactly the kind of things that don't cost a ton of money that I would have been doing three or four years ago. But you had people in charge that just weren't intellectually competent enough to think along those lines. Yet they would sell you the idea of, the big thing at Tiger Fest three years ago, hey, we're going to analytics. Yeah, are you? I, I, I've teased many times about this. It's like your grandparents having an iPhone, okay? You buy it for them, and the phone calls start happening. The they, they don't understand how to use the equipment, and they don't even understand what the equipment is saying. But I, I don't want to get off on that tangent. Yeah, but let's wrap my, it up my, with a positive my, note. Right. My, my point is, look, the bottom line is I'm glad they're doing that stuff, and hopefully they'll start seeing some results from it. Uh, it before, before you move on, I always like to slip this in. It's been kind of tradition that you guys have had me on the roundtable show. <laughs> so I like to give a list of players oh, yeah, that, I'd li- I'm, I'm that I'd like to see us consider. I start compiling it usually around, you know, the, as soon as the season ends. So in October, um, it's usually a mix of guys I think are available in trade. I add a few DFAs to it. 
it's more often than not guys that have not had great years. Um, I've had Jack Peterson on it a few years ago. I had Trevor Story on it a few years ago, and I'm still upset about that. And, uh, you know, last year I had quite a few guys on there. I, I showed the list from last year to you guys, and there were quite a few guys. And this year it's not a huge long list, but it is a list. At the top of the list was Travis Shaw. Two was Eric Timms. Both those guys I knew would be available, and I, they were at the top of the list before they even got DFA'd. For, uh, Jason Castro, they'll never sign Jason Castro. Dallin Betances, never signing Dallin Betances. Here's a good one. Here's somebody they should talk about. He's available. He's interesting. He could be a bust. He could be really good. He'd be controllable for many years, and it's I'd consider trading Joe Jimenez for him even. Ready? Mm-hmm. Dominic Smith, New York Mets. There you go. Cesar Hernandez, Brandon Morrow, the ever-injured Brandon Morrow. The question is, will he be healthy enough to throw one pitch? But if he is healthy enough to throw one pitch, pretty damn good. Yeah. A personal favorite and a repeater from last year's list. Did not have a great year last year, but a player I'd definitely be talking to Atlanta about, Johan Camargo. Yeah. Alex Wood, left-hand pitcher, free. Like him a lot. Uh, I think you'd get 20 starts out of him. Kind of crafty, cheap. Funky arm. Tawan Walker. Yeah. Uh, now going to be almost two year and a half o- over TJ. Was pretty damn good before his arm fell off, uh, his elbow. Yeah, he was once a top 20 prospect. Probably looking for a place he knows he's going to get starts. I'd be definitely talking to him. Uh, a reliever throws really hard. Been highly inconsistent, but was pretty damn good for Atlanta for a year. in more frustrating for other years there, but uh, Arotis Vizcaino, free agent. I think he would be well worth signing, has plenty of upside. Relievers are very fungible. One year they're great, next year they're terrible, next year they're great. So that's my list. Shaw, Tames, Castro, Batances, Dominic Smith, Hernandez, Moro, Camargo, Wood, Walker, Vizcaino. I'll get zero right again, but I'm sure a bunch of those guys will be really good next year. I got... Five names, but Chris, you want to go ahead and... Oh, I don't really have any names. Okay. I, I did more, uh, like, Rule 5 conjecture just because... Okay. Well, yeah, you did a really good article on that, too, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah but, uh, no, I mean, I, we mentioned him before, like, Travis Shaw. There are a lot of talented guys who have, have success in the recent past. Um, the pitcher, what were we talking about from the, the Brewers? Oh, uh, Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson. Like, yeah. these are... That was Jay Markle's idea, Jim, and it was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, there are names out there that you can get probably relatively cheap. You know, you actually, have, you, the thing the Tigers have to fight against here is we've talked about before with like Avila is they're going to be really bad, so you have to give somebody either extra money or somebody who's kind of on their last legs. They need a shot. So some of these other names are going to be probably in high demand. But all those names, I would love to see them go after. It, they, it's not like they can't afford them. Who'd you got, Rod? I got so I got a couple of pitchers. Uh, I was mostly. Focused on pitchers, of course. Cesar Hernandez comes to mind too, but one in um, hey John Walker, Taiwan Walker, Taiwan yeah. Walker, yeah. who's not tendered by Arizona. Look, I know he's coming off. He's injured. I mean, player. I mean, he blew out his arm. So, but still, I mean, guy in five hundred fourteen innings, three hundred three three point nine seven ERA. 
kick tires around. That's that's a guy who, who you could put at the back end of your rotation, and who knows that that I think also be a football guy. He was, was they gave him one year last year, five million wouldn't cost you too much, and he's coming off a year where you just give him. I, I mean, I don't know. I just that that's a name you just put out there. I I think for if in terms of a, a pitcher wise, Kevin uh, Gosman, that's another one. Still relatively young. Yeah, I mean, what is uh, Gosman like? Uh, 29, 20, yeah, something like that. 30. He was a you know, top five pick. He's I mean, never never lived up to that. Uh, you know, Billy. He never developed a breaking ball. I don't think. But see, the, 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 those are guys that money is important to them, but it's not the overriding consideration for a pitcher like Gosman. He's made a pretty decent amount of money. He's still young. Right. He's much more concerned about going to a place that he thinks can help him be good. I was. I wouldn't be shocked if he re-signed with Cincinnati. You know, they have Bodie there. But, you know, they're, they're, he's gone. Look, he was in Atlanta. He was in Cincinnati. Those are two places that they're pretty progressive thinking about pitching now. Um, didn't really do much to improve his circumstances. But, yeah, he's got really, really good stuff. Wouldn't be surprised if he turned into a reliever. And then the last one was Blake uh... – uh, Blake, Blake trying, trying to, yeah, trying to, but I, my concern is, and Chris and I have talked about this since the day I've met him. When you have back injuries, back issues, they linger. They never go away. He had a really bad back injury. That would be a cause. That'd be a pause for concern because. If on the, on get, the other hand, it might be a way to get him. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, but yeah, but, I'd always be worried about that. Blake Trinan's going to a playoff team. Yeah, that's yeah. another one. The one I've joked about this before, but like Jonathan Scope is young. And he doesn't walk. Ever. He, he hits the ball. <laughs> he swings at everything. It's like it's right up their alley. Yeah, it's a Tiger right profile. Up their alley. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'll hit him twenty home runs and, and never walk. And, All right, rule, rule yeah. five, Chris. You're great at this. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's interesting. I, just trying to think of who they might actually take. Uh, they seem to historically have enjoyed or, or, or favored guys who perform well in the AFL. That's where they first kind of laid eyes on Victor Reyes and mm. Daniel Stubb a couple years ago. I think Sterling Sharp is probably. A likely uh, name that they're considering, a local kid, athletic, might actually be a little bit more there. I think he's, what, 25 or whatever, but he's... he's... North, North Farmington High School. Yeah, so he he was a, a multi-sport athlete, and he pitched well in the AFL. Yeah. And uh, he's already had... He's pitching double A, so it's not that that big. And they wouldn't have to throw him in the rotation. They could use him as a long reliever or, or start him. Um, so, and then there's... That's one that I just found interesting as as a... You know, potential, you know, some some help there that might have some upside. Then there's that that Rojas guy from the Angels who's an infielder. Like, if they want somebody who might be able to hit and provide a power without signing anybody, because he's a guy who's played the infield and hit for some power. The one, uh, I think I discussed this with, I don't know who we were talking with, but, uh, you know, they brought Kenny Graham from the, the Brewers, so he spent the last several years working with and Brewers. Tor- and Toronto. Yeah. He spent the last several years working with these guys. Luke, Lucas Urseg was a guy who came out of, uh, he was in like a Division II school because he uh, flunked out of Cal, basically. He didn't go to class or whatever. But he was a guy who looked like a legit prospect right when he was drafted. Good raw power, um, third baseman, could probably handle it there, and a huge arm. He actually pitched. So one crazy out-of-the-box thing they could do is take him as a two-way player. And give him like, hey, we'll we'll give you some time at third base, and we'll work you a little bit out of the bullpen and see what happens. But uh, I don't know. I, there is, are is a ton Thury, of t- is Thury Rees is a pretty 
popular. So that's probably the kind of player I would take because a guy who's uh, he's got tools and he's been to high A. He's not been out of high A and he didn't perform terribly well last year. He was was really good in the Midwest League the year before, but uh, you know he's young and and really you're just trying to get. We talked about before the Tigers have a very pitching heavy farm system. Getting any sort of positional player talent young in the system any way you can, I feel like you should do it, even if it. And we've already talked about they're very clearly not going to be competing this year. Take a guy, throw him out there, get him some reps, get him some big league coaching, and see what you can do with with the raw talent. So he's a guy I would go after. I haven't heard much smoke around him really. So number thirteen prospect of the Padres, multiple tools. He, yeah, by Fangraphs, he'd be like the Tiger or Tiger's sixth or seventh best prospect right now. But by the Fangraphs, uh, you know. Uh, the FV, so or Christian Santana, too, was the one that you mentioned in your article. That what, what he's about, the what, Dodgers guy, but he's yeah. another guy who doesn't uh, ever uh, walk. How about what's, the, Tigers who's the Gomez guy, first baseman? Gomez, Gomez. Um, there's a Ramos. Yeah, Roberto Ramos, the first baseman out of Colorado. oh, Gomez was it Moises Gomez from the the Rays? I think he, is he first baseman or an outfielder? He's another guy who doesn't walk. <laughs> That's I mean, you said the Rule Five is kind of a pointless exercise. There's, all these players are deeply flawed. I do like Roberto Ramos, though. I mean, he's Listen, a left-handed hitter. I just want you to know that the lottery is $247 million uh, right now and when I win. Uh, and I buy my share of the Tigers with the new owner. That <laughs> There will be a rule about minimum walk rate uh, when I uh, <laughs> put up my my $174 million. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little exhausted about the idea of guys – who have a 3% walk rate. By the way, question for you. Mm-hmm. Of all major league hitters, this is – we have not done a behind-the-numbers. All right. Oh, yeah. You inside can consider this well, a behind-the-numbers. Well, be, uh, the inside-the-numbers is – well, we, we put it on winter hiatus. Did you? Yeah, it, it's when we do it when the season starts, so that way – because topics are – I have an inside-the-number themed question. Okay, then go – yeah, and forward, and then we're going to get out of here. All right. Of all hitters mm-hmm. in the major leagues in 2019, minimum 258 bats. Who had the lowest walk rate? Minimum 258 bats. Mm-hmm. Harold Castro. Correct. Harold oh, Castro. That right off the bat. Nice. Two point two point six percent. Swing. By that, the way, swinging that Rockaroo da- magic stick. Yeah. Dawell da- Lugo was number five. I, yeah, Victor Reyes was probably. Oh, he probably didn't get 250, did he? And just so all you fans who always like to give me a hard time that, that you're too negative. I am too negative. I went and looked at that super, super closing kick that Dawel Lugo had to try to see if maybe things changed once he started hitting the ball well, and he hit 254 in his last 100 at-bats. But uh, no, he did not. Still did not walk. Yeah. So No, I don't think he ever will walk. I think no. that's, that's one thing. When you look at stats from year to year, and that's why we got to take what Victor Reyes did last year with a grain of salt because his BABIP was up in like 380s, 390s, 400s. Yeah. 400. Um, the things that, that translate from year to year are the swing rate, the walk rate, the strikeout rate. Uh, guys generally don't – there are going to be some gains as guys get more comfortable in major league pitching. But you look at Nick Castellanos, was basically a 6% walk guy, never got more than 7% walk guy. Got about as good as you can get as a hitter with that low of a walk rate uh, outside of the, the Javi Baez's or whatever. But um, guys generally don't increase their walk rate a ton unless they 
I think J.D. Martinez probably did once. He Maybe one of the only ones. Yeah. Once he started hitting 45 home runs or whatever, people were like, all right, well, I'm not going to throw up strikes. Uh, but, yeah, so guys don't – and guys who are super patient don't generally get much more aggressive. Uh, so it's just one of those things that, that's ingrained, and uh, unless you're the Astros, you're not going to uh, figure out a way to, to bump that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Legally, of course, but yeah. – uh... No, but like I said, we we hope in a couple hours uh, the Tigers make an announcement for Lou Wicker to make the Hall of Fame. We'll, we shall see. I think he will. I, I, I'm i just curious to see who else gets in. If yeah. It's like Ted Simmons or... <laughs> who deserves to get Thur- in, by the way. Yeah, yeah wait, wait, wait. Here's a question for you both then. Thurman Munson or Ted Simmons? Ted Simmons. I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I think... For, how old was Thurman Munson when he died? 29, 30, something like that. Ted, yeah. Ted Simmons, switch-hitting catcher with a... Giant walk rate and hit, like 20 years, and yeah. hit, hit 300? Come on, dude. Well, that's well, the thing. I think the war thresholds for getting in, it's generally around 60 to 70 uh, where you start getting discussion. I think they need to be lower for starting pitchers and for catchers because it's just it's impossible to put it. I think Ted Simmons is somewhere at 55, 60, something like that, which is close enough for me. Uh, right. And, yeah, he played forever, and like you said, he was a good catcher. So Did Chris Russo say that Thurman should be in the Hall of Fame? Because I, I feel like he would – yeah, I feel like he has like the the – that navy Yankee blue all over his nose and his mouth for some strange reason. I don't know why he would have that. But when you do podcasts with your friends who they know who you hate, it's just who not does fair who does a you. Russo impression? Somebody did a Russo impression. What are you nuts? That's <laughs> oh, there a, you da, 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 da. <laughs> come on. What, 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 what are you nuts? Yeah, the, the, the Yankees need to win. <laughs> Whitaker's in the Hall of Very Good. He's yeah. not great. Doesn't deserve He's to be in. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, he's not a Yankee either. Okay, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, well, Jim Leland's chiming in there with that. He's one of the best players I ever saw. I, I don't know what. <laughs> I think he sounded more off base than Harold Reynolds did, and and Harold Reynolds gets a lot of crap for a lot of people. For whatever, a lot of people don't like him. Whatever, fine. But Roos, anyways, I can go on and on about. I don't know. You know what's, what what they they did when you put someone like Harold Baines in, you open the door for a lot of other people to get. I think. And yeah. Not that Harold Baines wasn't a, a really good player and a great guy or whatever, but you know. His numbers don't really stack up. And to this day, Tony LaRusso's defense of Harold Reigns, or, 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 excuse me, Reigns, Harold Baines. His RBIs with runners in scoring position or two hard RBIs or something like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, like that. But then just this whole, like, dude, you were his manager for the 83 team to help you win the AL West. Yeah, no, he was your guy. I get it. Just say he was your guy, and that's it. That's all you need to say. But don't, can't justify by his number. I mean, even Harold Baines himself said, I was surprised to get in. Well, you had a friend that helped you get there. Yeah, Sorry. So. All right. Two two real fast things before we get out of here. All right. Jorge Bonifacio. I, I like the signing because his walk rate's close to 10%. But also, as Chris said, Chris said but, before the show. Well, I was saying he may actually be the third best outfielder on the roster. By If you look at last year's production, Kristen Stewart was negative 1.2 war. Travis Demerit was like negative 0.6. Um, I mean, we, we'd like to think that Daz Cameron or some of the other guys in the 40-man could be better than that. But... I think it's a fine ad. Nothing wrong with some um, outfield depth. In Who's Toledo. getting cut off the Toledo roster as outfielders? Robson. I don't know if he'll get cut. But I, I, mean, I think he, we'll, he was, we'll see. We, we'll see like, what? Mikey Matuk. Mike. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. The reason why I thought about Robson is because he he disappeared off Winter League ball. Oh. Dan, Danny, Wood, Danny Woodrow. He wouldn't shock me if, if either of those guys end up uh, in Erie to begin the year. They're Danny just, Woodrow could be in Erie. Yeah. yeah. They're just, you know. I think they'd release Robson. Yeah. They might. Yeah. Before they said Montefascio, I did like uh, Domingo Santana. It's, it's just, yeah, I listen. 
you know, Domingo Santana. I can't play defense. He can hit. Listen, he makes Nick Nick Castellanos look like Al Kaline out there defensively. But uh, (laughs) I I I I get it. Okay, how many air winter meetings? So we'll give it the until next Friday. How many how many players the Tigers add before next Friday? Two, two, one free agent and the forty man. Yep. Well. No, they'd have to. No, no, I, no. I go. I go. I say two, and then rule five. Yeah. So, That's so technically, so three, three. Okay, I mean two, one, and one rule five. Yeah. I'm gonna go with zero. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Well, then no rule five. Okay. Okay. So okay. All right. One rule five oh, on Sunday. Okay. This is December eighth. We're gonna. Okay. So next Friday is the thirteenth, I believe. Yeah, it's the thirteenth. On no, no. It would be this Friday. Well, it be this Friday or next Friday. How you want to do this, Spark? Next Friday. All right, so next Friday, whatever that date is, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. We have calendars on our phones, and ladies and gentlemen, I have... 13th of December. Okay, so it would be this Friday coming up then. Correct. Okay, so Friday, December 13th, you'll cue the Friday the 13th music behind me. They will have signed the, the over-under, I will say three, you say zero, Chris says two, right? One free agent, one rule five. Yeah. Okay, so... So I get, depending on how you okay. want to count that, one or so zero. The winner or of the, the winner of this... We'll get a, you know what? We'll just we'll simply put because to celebrate the fact that your favorite place in the whole wide world, Budapest Grill, is opening up. Bu- 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 By the Bu- way, Bucharest Grill, yeah. thirteen in Woodward, one mile from the Gorash Casa. I was just, that's what I was just alluding I, to. I, I was dancing on official the floor. Yeah. People thought it was sponsor, nuts, but the, I, the, I was there. The unofficial sponsor of Tigers SRD. In addition to, if you really want to sponsor us, just contact us. Let us know for real. But the unofficial sponsor, I will. Uh, whoever wins will get one Bucharest Grill sandwich. Deal? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, in Chris's case, or Chris and I's home court of Mi Pueblo, yeah. same thing. I also would like to say before we sign off, Anthony Fennick, I missed you. I'm so sad you didn't come on this year. And uh, He's I'm, a- I'm, I'm, I'm hoping next year. He's living the best life right now you're, all over Europe. You, you and thanks it. to Evan for, for yeah, coming yeah. on, too. Evan, Wood, Wood, really Woodbury, good. you were great. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, also, I want to give props to our new staff writer on the website, Joe Rampey, who has been just killing it. Um, yeah. The, the, I call him a kid because he's younger than us, but not by much. But Joe has been a really breath of fresh air, and we can't thank him enough. And yeah, He's been writing like crazy. He's got a ton of great ideas. Yeah, a ton of great ideas. He's He said he's kind of shy about He doesn't like his own voice, but then... To be fair, not a lot of people do, but it will be on a podcast sooner or later. We just gotta—he's gotta break his shyness a little bit. But uh, <laughs> check out his under the radar five prospects who can make waves in twenty twenty. His uh, article on Isaac Paredes, and of course, check out the Chris Chris's Rule Five preview you can find on our website TigersMinorLeagueReport dot com. And talking to Chip, Chip's getting ready. He's been throwing uh, throwing some BP down in Lakeland. He's uh, he's getting ready to go, and I'll be cranking up some stuff here in January. So. All good stuff along the way. We appreciate listening to us. And, of course, you can find us on iTunes and leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. Until then, we'll talk to you. We'll, there'll probably be a show next week. Probably, again, probably do maybe a weekend edition because we're waiting until Friday to see if I'm right, because mm-hmm. I know I will be. <laughs> uh, or if Mark claims victory or Chris claims victory. But either way, we'll see you next time. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes, Merry Christmas. Well, and and we Brandon, more, we Brandon Day, we missed you, brother. There we go. Happy Hanukkah. Uh,